Today's scripture reading will be from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses five through twelve. <clears throat> this is the reading of God's holy, infallible word. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Morning, church. Is this on? Can you hear me? Yes? Hello, hello. All right, so before we get started, I wanted to uh, take this time to welcome a newcomer uh, who is joining us today, Steve Kim. If you could raise your hand so that we can welcome you, brother. Welcome. Welcome. Awesome to have you this morning. Thank you to uh, Connie for praying for our church today. Thank you for Pastor Sam for reading the scripture. I just wanted to uh, actually read... Uh, verse 5 through 7 one more time because I wanted to uh, preach to myself because I need God's word just as much as you do this morning. God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Church, here's some context for what's going on in our passage today. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, a church that was not without his issues. And Paul had his opponents who challenged his apostolic authority and his true nature of sharing the gospel. There there is this theme that is prevalent in this book about suffering and the power of the Spirit at work in the life and ministry of Paul. This theme of suffering is known through humility and weakness, and that is contrasted with the surpassing glory that we will explore through the imagery that Paul has set. The title of the message is very simple today. We have treasure in jars of clay. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your word is good, always. We pray for our hearts to be opened and our minds to be open to receive this word that you give us, this grace that you give us every day. We don't deserve it, yet you give it, which shows how good of a God you are. 
We pray for this time to be able to uh, glean from your word uh, what you desire for us, what you have predestined for us, that we should know and share the gospel uh, with our neighbor. We thank you again for this time that you have given to us, and we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me ask you a question. What do you treasure most? What is your most valuable possession? All right, Garner, if you would answer that, you would probably say, my spouse or my daughter or my son, my friend. Maybe it's an ideal that you have. Maybe it's something profound. But I want to tell you what I treasure. My phone. I know, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds pathetic, but... The thing is, you don't really know how much you value something until it's lost. And I lost my phone for about two hours, and it was driving me insane, okay? So story time. This is what happened. I go to Giant, right? I just grocery shop. I have my phone on me, and then as I enter into Giant, I'm also conversing with uh, Pastor Brother Xiong. We're talking about something, and, you know, I go through the aisles. I slowly shop. I get what I need, and then I check out. I go to my car, and then I realize that I have not responded to a question that he asks. So I go to respond, and then I I can't find my phone. For the life of me, I lost it, right? I'm looking all over my car, retracing my steps. I can't find this thing, okay? So that's when I start to panic. So I, I retrace my steps. I go back into Giant. I literally scour through every aisle. I can't find it, right? I lose all hope. So you know what I do? I go to the front desk. I say, I lost my phone. Did you find it? And he goes, no, I didn't find it. And you won't believe me, but he said, but leave your number, and we'll call you when we find it. And I said to him, how does that work? Because you will have my phone in which you will call me, so you'll just be calling yourself, right? That's when I lost all hope. I'm like, this is not going to. So I went back in, and I searched again. I couldn't find it. I had lost all hope. And then I I get out of Giant. I make my way to my car. And uh, you know those little parking uh, slots where they put in the carts? Long way off, I see this man put in his shopping cart. And then he lifts up a phone. And he looks confused as to why that's in his shopping cart. And like the father to the prodigal son, I ran from a long way off and rejoiced that my phone that was lost was now found. He looked so confused, right? I didn't actually say that to him, but that's how I felt, right? So I was overjoyed. I, I, I make my way back home, and then I forgot I, I had to reply to Xiong. So I replied to Xiong, and then I had to tell him what, what had happened, right? This whole debacle that just happened. And he responds and tells me this. Only if we search the scriptures as hard as you looked for that phone. And I just went, oh. You cut to my heart. You convicted me. Why would you choose this moment to convict me? I feel so bad, but yet so good. Church treasure, it's what you are attached to most. It's where your heart is. Let me tell you about a treasure that we have forgotten. That's actually inside of us. The main idea I have for you today is the imagery of the treasure in the jars of clay shows us that what is to be highlighted is not the container, but rather the content. 
I have two points for you today. I know it's not very PCA of me. We usually have three points, but two today. The first being the fragility of the outer container brings us to depend on God. And the second is the pricelessness of the treasure inside gives us reason to glorify So here's the first point. The fragility of the outer container brings us to depend on God. Here the Apostle Paul has two very clear images, okay? We have this jar of clay representing human weakness, fragility, all of our flaws, all of our sin. And then we have this treasure, which represents the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about this jar of clay first. And I want to ask you, do you think that you are strong? Do you think that you're going to live forever? Do you think this is supposed to be permanent? You see, I went on a mission trip in D.C. in 2010, and one of our assignments was to uh, minister to people in hospice care on their last leg of life. It wasn't really ministering to them. It was just striking conversation with them because they hadn't seen people in a long time. And I got to confess to you, that entire time, I was just fighting back tears. Uh, I was so overcome with emotion one of the times that I just left the room because what I saw were people with nothing left. People had explained to me that people hadn't visited them in years, and they were just so happy to just talk to somebody. And some people would tell me, I'm thankful to God for you visiting me today amazing. I look on them and I'd say, man, I'm, I'm standing on holy ground. People left without everything, but showing me that they actually had everything. You see, life is fragile. Every year, it goes by, we get a little bit older, we grow a little bit more tired, a little bit more sore, Our recovery isn't what it used to be. Our memory really isn't what it used to be. Suits don't fit quite like they used to. Physically, we are getting closer to death. We all are. I'm I'm sorry for being seemingly morbid, but the truth of the matter is that you will not live forever. There is a saying that Father Time is never lost. There is a reason why I love football. So there's a reason why football careers do not last a very long time. If you're a running back, you maybe have three, four good years to you. Maybe if you're in another position, you have 13 years. That is a good career. That's not very long. But it's to remind us that our outer shell continues to waste away. To the older members at our church, I don't know what constitutes as older. Let's just say you're over the age of 30. That constitutes us all. I'll be considered an older member, okay? Our outer selves are wasting away. But I present to you that you should not be so concerned about your body dying for something is at work in you where your old self is dying, and that is a good thing. Why? Because you are being renewed and restored in your new perfect self in Jesus in this seemingly fragile container that is wasting away. There is this juxtaposition between perfection and imperfection. You got perfection in these vessels of imperfection. When I think about perfection, I think about no mistakes. There's no mistakes, okay? 
I, forgive me, there's clear images when I think about perfection and imperfection. I'll share with you what I think about when I think about imperfection. When I come to church every morning, and I have to stop by this chain that sells coffee and donuts, and they continue to make mistakes countless times every Sunday, I think about imperfection, right? Imperfection. But when I think about uh, perfection, I think about no mistakes. I'll share with you, there's this movie that's, that's my favorite movie, okay, of all time. And by this, I'm not going to say the title because you should just know by the description that I will give, but a uh, high school football team uh, comes together and is newly integrated, black and white, and they're working out their differences. They're working out the struggle that they're in. And then they go to training camp, right? They go to training camp, and then their coach addresses them for the first time after a scuffle has just ensued. And he said, when you put that uniform on, that Titan uniform, you better come to work. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I, I can't repeat what he said, but he said, I'll do this to you, and you will run a mile. Perfection, no mistakes. But I want to tell you about a perfection that is greater realized in something that is true, that is real, and that we all have, and it is that Jesus is perfect. And he came into the world and took the form of something that was imperfect, a jar of clay, just like us to experience suffering and hardship like we do. He did this without sinning. He did this, and he humbled himself to a cross to show the surpassing power of God and his resurrection. And we have this good news that changes us, shapes us, molds us, so that we can live to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the light of the glory of God in vessels made out of mud. He chooses to use us. Of all people, he, he chooses the weak, the fragile things to advance, progress his kingdom. Why? Shouldn't he use the most qualified? Shouldn't he use the smartest? Shouldn't he use the strongest? No, he uses weak people like you and I because the humble only know that God can receive all of the glory. He uses the weak because they have to depend on him. It is foolish for a jar of clay to take the credit for only what the treasure inside has actually done. Church, you are weak, and that is good. In fact, it's great. Knowing and being aware of your weakness is a good thing. It's good when you're humbled. It's good when you fail because you re reposition yourself to where you and I belong, at the foot of the cross. You become fertile ground, soft and moldable, but if you are prideful, and you're so into yourself, you become hardened, and it's really hard for you to change. We are treasures in jars of clay. I'm not all that, nor is our staff all that. And you are not all that. Nothing is inherently special about you and I, but we have this gift the light of the glory of God inside of us. Are we valuing that treasure for what it is? Are we being obedient to the word? Or are we just preoccupied with so many other things? 
And I, I confess to you, oftentimes I have to ask myself, in my immediate cultural context in Northern Virginia, am I so content? Am I too comfortable? Because the truth of the matter is that you and I will all have to stand before the throne of grace and give an account of all the things that we have done. And at that point, there's no lip service. We just have to show the fruits that we had borne when we lived. You will be known by your fruits. Fruit is oftentimes shown in the long term of what you value most. And bad fruit in our cultural context. I'm at fault is this. Church, sometimes we, we stick with our cliques at church. We stick with the people that we know. We stick that with the people that we're comfortable with. We're not as open. We're not as welcoming to those that we do not know. Those who are new to church, not relating to those that we may not have a lot in common with. Always seeking to live a life that is full of avoidance of hardship and struggle. Seeking to carve out a content living for ourselves. And that's it. And I confess, I'm a susceptible to this too, giving our all in our ministries that we are serving in, but rather we are spreading ourselves so thin that we have become too busy. So many competing influences in this culture, so many different voices telling us how to live, why we should live that way. Sometimes we can get over-assessed with novelty. Novelty. Always chasing after what's new, shiny, trending. This world is full of worldly comfort. And these things tempt us toward a greater independence from God, which is not a good thing. But rather, we have to have things that place us to be in constant dependence on him. All right, we're moving. Point two. Pricelessness of the treasure gives us reason to glorify God. Do you know him? How valuable is the gospel to you? Because the gospel brings you to a place where you have to decide, can I, can I be totally sold out for Jesus or am I just going to be sold out for myself? Really, there is no in-between. Far be it from me to present to you that maybe one day it will cost you a great deal to be considered a Christian in northern Virginia. If... Or maybe a matter of when. It will cost us just as much as our brothers and sisters overseas. But until then, we don't really experience the weight of what we identify with. In our immediate context, it doesn't really cost us much. It doesn't cost us our jobs or our schools. It doesn't measure to, comparatively speaking, what most of the history of the church has experienced. They have been... We as a church have always experienced hardship. That's mandatory. It's necessary. We have always been outcasts. We have always been seen in a negative light compared to the world. There is always this hostility. Persecution and hardship have actually served to be great things for us. Why? It mandates a response it reminds you of how fragile you and I really are, but contentment with the world does not. It leaves you to be indifferent, numb, not having to make a decision, a clear decision on things. Faith does not have to be a priority. It just becomes a commodity. You and I have 
far overvalued this outer layer, this jar of clay, only to lose sight of the treasure that is inside. I must confess, I know that I am often concerned with how my outer layer looks, not concerning physical appearance specifically, but rather my reputation. I prop up myself. I'm sure you do as well. Oftentimes I ask myself subconsciously, how do I look to other people? How am I perceived? Maybe this comes from insecurity that stems from not having a solid solid foundation in Christ. But I garner that many of us care too much about what others think, and it leads us to overcompensate in a certain way. The investment of that is shallow, and it doesn't really bring you a whole lot of stability. If you try to please everybody, you're really not pleasing anybody, especially yourself. Friends, brother or sister, if you find yourself to be overly sensitive, easily offended by somebody who comments negatively about you, it may serve to represent what you actually value most. If you find yourself to be defensive, easily offended. But here's a question that I'm asking you as I ask myself. If If people offend or speak wrongly about the gospel, are you as disturbed? Are you as defensive? The gospel of Jesus Christ says that by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God so that no man may boast, not by works. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not that I have already obtained it or am perfect, but I press on to make Christ my own as he has made me his own. Why? Because he humbled himself to die, even die on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place where every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. All glory be to God. Sin could not conquer him. Satan couldn't tempt him. And the grave could not hold him. I ask you, do you know him? Or actually, here's a better question that's more important. Does he know you? This message is not new, it's old. But when you hear it for what it is, it makes you new. I wish I could preach it the way I feel it. What makes people leave the comfort of their homes to go to a country far away to minister to people that they do not know, to live a life that would only be filled with further hardship, to want to train for 10 years to be sent out missions overseas to learn a new language. You know how hard it is to learn a new language? I'm trying to learn Greek right now. It is the hardest thing right now. My brain doesn't work like the way it used to. But what makes people do such ridiculous things? Treasure. Lasting life-changing, undeserved treasure. You can't put a price on it because it's priceless. And it is this, that Christ came and died for us while we were still yet sinners. I don't know about you, but that's good news. That's the best news that I've heard in a long time. That treasure, you know what it is, right? It's a deposit. It is to ensure what is present inside of you. In my heart, oftentimes I say, in my pessimistic heart, I say, I have nothing. 
I have nothing. Sometimes maybe you say that to yourself. You have nothing. But this is the great given, great gift that you have been given to know that a God has given us a deposit in which we can be secure. You know that in your worst case scenario, that if you die today with nothing in your bank account, you have Christ and eternal riches and the glory that he has given to you and eternal salvation and relationship with him. That is your worst case scenario. Praise be to God. We can't stay so surface level and shallow and look upon our material possessions and say, that is my identity. This is what I identify with. But you don't understand, that is what moth and rust destroy. We can't look on our outer selves and think that that's the only thing that matters because there is something in us that is imperishable. You are a jar of clay with treasure inside. Only one of those things lasts forever. What are you investing in? We have treasure. Now, watch. Look at this. Pay attention to this, friends. Look at these particular circumstances. I'm going to read verse 8 through 11, and it says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, for the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. It's easy to get bogged down, but may I remind you, your faith is not based on circumstances. It's not a circumstantial religion. It's transcendent. How can this be? Because there's a treasure inside of you that shows the surpassing power of God. Be encouraged that if you know Jesus, you'll be just fine. Now notice, I didn't say you're, not, you're going to avoid all kinds of hardship and struggle. I didn't say that, but I said you're going to be just fine. Why, church? Because there was one who was crushed. There was one who was driven to despair. There was one who was forsaken. There was one who was destroyed, and his name was Jesus. Jesus brings back the spiritually dead back to life. We have been going through the book of Acts, church, excavating through the events of the early church, and I don't want you to forget about who is at the center of that. It is Jesus, but Paul is doing a lot I don't want you to forget that before Paul became an apostle of Jesus Christ, he was Saul, a persecutor of Christians. Fascinating, isn't it? I know if I was God, I wouldn't choose Saul. Why would I choose Saul? He hates the church. He's an enemy of the church. I would, I would pick somebody more qualified. But I want to explain to you that I identify with Saul. Because there was a time where I hated God. I hated church. I hated ministry. It, the, the sound of it, the, the look of it, it, it gave me such a negative response. But praise be to God. I'm here. I can't believe it. I'm preaching the gospel to you. Crazy, right? 
the world can never replicate anything that does something like that. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul wants to convey to you and me that there is nothing special about him or his reputation. You remember he, he lists a laundry list of things that he has done, you know. Tribe of Benjamin, I was a scribe, I had done all of these things. And what does he say about those things? Look it upon them and see how great I am. No, he says, you know what? That's rubbish compared to knowing and being known by God. Something radically changed in his man. And I want you to pay attention. Maybe we forgot about that encounter that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. What did Jesus say to him? Did he say, you know, Paul, you're going to be great among the nations. People will know your name. People will remember you. You will have a legacy. And so many people are going to be saved through you. You're going to live this life of prosperity. That's not what he says. He says, you will be my instrument, and you will suffer for my name. What a promise. How is that any different for us? A life riddled with hardship and suffering, but if you asked him, like if he was in the sanctuary today and you asked him, would you change anything? Do you regret anything in your life? I don't think he would change anything because he got to know Jesus and he was changed and he was used. This jar of clay with treasure inside. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Here's the application. So we always have to ask, how do we apply the word that is given to us every Sunday, every Sabbath day? And I want to say to you that what is outside is wasting away, but what is inside is refining you. This is an ongoing process. How do you live in observance of this? I know that every day we feel it. I know I do. The burden of life, we get a little bit more tired a little bit more bitter, a little bit more cynical, a little bit more jaded. But we ought not to live that way. Oftentimes, and here's what I realize, oftentimes these negative things result because we are choosing to live like our old selves. Oftentimes those negative things result because we are choosing to live like our old selves. We have forgotten that we are being made new in Jesus and yet our sinful nature still looms close and tells us that we should live like we used to before we knew Christ. That is not the case because, church, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We ought to live in freedom and joy. I know that I got to personally fight for joy. You know, we, we value consistency. We value faithfulness, Right? That doesn't mean we got to just drag our feet through the mud and live begrudgingly. We as Christians actually have grounds to be the most joyful people. Do people outside of this sanctuary know that about you? Church, why in the world has, has Paul used this imagery of a jar of clay in order to demonstrate his point? I was... Uh, confused by it, so I looked it up. Here's an here's a interesting fact. I propose to you that this was actually a common custom back in the day. You see, it was a common practice to hide something valuable 
in a jar of clay because if one needed to access that treasure or their funds, they could just take it, throw it down, break it open. There it is. It was hidden, but only for a short allotted period of time until it was eventually laid bare. So you see that, that pot, it's supposed to be broken. It must be exposed in fragility to show what is inside. Last time I checked, Jesus was broken. Jesus was laid bare on the cross for you and for me. So that what happened? He exposed the light of the glory of God. God counted him as worthy because he died. I want to tell you that we are the same. We have to be broken as well. If you got cracks, if you got weakness, good. You can start to shimmer the glory of God inside of you. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks with God. And God inserts a thorn in his side. And Paul pleads with him three times, please take it away from me. I can't take it. And God responds to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Church, the treasure has to be exposed. We are, we are called to share this treasure that is inside of us, to go to the nations. Very often in the Bible, God proclaims us to go. Sometimes he says stay, but more often than not, he says go. Share the word with the lost. Do not keep it from him. Be missional out there. I confess a lot of times I hear churches say that we are a missional church. They've got it all wrong. Every church is missional. Don't get it twisted. Church, one day I hope to have kids, right? I, I hope to have kids and one day I, I want to be able to teach them and I want to show them that I'm willing to let them go before I can have them in my possession because ultimately they are not my kids. They are God's children. Are we raising our children in righteousness, training them as such? Last time I checked, Psalm 127.4 said, your children are arrows. Last time I checked, an arrow is supposed to be shot out. It's not supposed to be kept in a quiver. It's supposed to be sent out. Are you going to teach your kids? Am I going to teach my kids to be safe, to avoid all kinds of hardship, to just carve out a content living for them? Or are you going to teach them to take risks for the kingdom of God what is a greater investment? We are called to go out there and be in here. Just because we come here doesn't mean that we all know him. Therefore, it is our collective responsibility to ensure that we are holding each other accountable to pursue him. For those that do not know to be exposed to the gospel, not through just what is said, but what through is, but through what is acted upon. We, we need each other. We are a community. If you think that you can sustain your faith while being away from church, just through virtual means, I, I will say to you, I guarantee that will not last very long for you. 
Why? Because we are supposed to be together. We are not to give up meeting with one another as some are in the habit of doing. When he, when he says that in Scripture, it means some are in the habit of doing that, not meeting together. So he is addressing a very specific incident that they actually struggled with back then that we actually still struggle with right now. We are jars of clay meant to hold each other in accountability. Those, those of us who are older, seasoned in faith, over the age of 30, those young in faith should humble you with their passion, their eagerness to serve. And now those younger in faith, those, those younger than 30, those that are seasoned should humble you with how wise and faithful that they have been through so many different seasons of their life and how they have remained disciplined. We ought to continue to love, help, be open and teachable to one another, reminding each other of what we forget so often, what is inside of us. And this I speak to my own heart. We should seek to love those that are different from us. Those that are different from us. Because like the Bible argues, what reward is there if you only love those who love you back? How is that different from the world? The world preaches, yeah, if somebody likes you back, yeah, you like them. That's, that's natural. But the gospel says somebody who hates you, somebody who is your enemy, pray for them. Love them. That is how the world knows that we are very different. We should seek to love one another. Those who are spiritually deprived and need an injection of the gospel in their lives. People are deprived, whether physically or emotionally, maybe spiritually, maybe mentally. We are all jars of clay. And the only thing that separates us is that we have treasure inside of us. Are we so wel against welcoming those not like us? Are we so against sharing that treasure? Or maybe you and I just want to be comfortable and just to stick with what we're familiar with. Sometimes I think, man, this person's different, man. They're, they're so hard to deal with. They're not like me. I can't get anything from them. Why in the world would I want to associate with them or waste my time getting to know them? Does that sound like the gospel? Church, we, we, we are jars of clay. We are no different than our brother and sister next to us. And we need the gospel. If you, uh, if you don't remember anything else from the sermon, I just want you to remember this, okay? That you are a jar of clay, fragile. If anything, this year... These past years have shown just how fragile life can be. You and I are just wasting away, but I want to encourage you. You got treasure inside of you. You're being refreshed, renewed. God has put a seal on you and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Guarantee, that's amazing, right? When God guarantees something, you better know he follows through. He never flakes on his promises. You are insured for eternity. 
You are insured by God the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son, with his Holy Spirit. What good news is that, right? Don't worry, I'm almost done, okay? Let me tell you about a treasure, particular treasure that I've had in my life. I know I've shared her before, but my grandmother, man, I love this woman. She had the best judge in character, right? She would look upon somebody and immediately, like, love them or hate them. She just... She just no nonsense toward the later years of her life. Uh, she, would, uh, she was a church woman, so she'd come to church, pray, read the word, sing gospel songs, and then as soon as she came home, she'd curse like a sailor. She was amazing. I loved her, right? So honest. To this day, she has said curse words in Korean that I still even know existed. She just rambled on many times. But she was amazing. There isn't a day that I don't go by without missing her and thinking about her. And she knew something, that I was hard on myself. And I didn't see much of anything in myself. But you know, it's funny. When you lose somebody, it's, it's really not these big monumental milestones that you had with them that you remember. If anything, it's those everyday, seemingly mundane, insignificant moments that you remember most. She encouraged me every time she had the opportunity to. And I have a very fond memory. We would, when I was a kid, I used to love basketball. Uh, I can't play basketball anymore. I just gave it up for, for golf. But I used to play basketball, right? And then we would go to the park together. We would walk together to the park. And I don't know what it is about our first generation, but they have this innate sense to know where genip is. Just, you, know, you know vegetation? Like, they just can find it anywhere, anywhere. So we were going to this elementary school. She's just picking out, and she's coming with all this stuff. And I'm like, where did you find that? They grow that here, right? She brings it to me, and as I'm shooting hoops, and I'm, and I'm making baskets, every basket I make, she's like, awesome, awesome, great, 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 right? And then, I'm, and then she, she kept doing this, and I kept making shots. She kept doing this every single time until the point I got so annoyed. I started missing on purpose, so she wouldn't do that. But even when I missed, she was like, oh, it's okay. You'll get the next one. I'm like, man, right? I was so annoyed with that at the time. But when I look back on that moment, what I wouldn't give to make one more shot with her there watching. What I wouldn't give to hear that encouragement one more time, just once. You see, what she taught me was treasure. Treasure in the form of unconditional love. Unconditional love. You know, outer circumstances, they don't really affect it because once you know you have it, it is secure. It is a deposit in you. You are insured for life. It is as if, it is as if God is saying to you, you are mine. You are locked up for eternity no one can take you away. We have this confidence in Christ. Unconditional love. Amazing. Sometimes I preach it to myself, and I can't believe it's true, but it is true, and it is good. This is what God has given us. We carry within us the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there we can glorify God, because we know the treasure that is inside of us. Church, you are a jar of clay, as am I, but we have treasure inside. 
Let us pray. Lord, the breath of God, we thank you for all the things that you have given to us, yet we don't deserve. We thank you that your word is true and it is good. We pray for every heart and every mind here to receive the goodness of your grace, to receive all that you have chosen to bless us with. And we say to you that you are God. No one is like you. How could we forget such a fundamental and life-changing fact? Maybe we position ourselves at the foot of the cross to remind ourselves of this daily and not just maybe once out of the month. We pray that we will receive this word for what it is, good news. And we thank you for uh, this time in which we can respond to you, and we pray this on your name. Amen. and we'll respond in worship. 